Hello and welcome to the Lacey Alderson Show. So happy to have you guys listening today. Um, thanks for checking in with us. Um, I've got a guest in studio today talking about something that's near and dear to my heart. Um, this person is near and dear to my heart. So there's a lot of personal feelings behind today. So those of you listening just know it's not like any other show where we're talking about pretty sterile topics and or you know getting to learn about people and you know they're all of their vanity we're talking about some real heavy heavy things but beautiful things and cause and effect things and solution-based things and let me introduce to you the one and only jenny slade so happy to be here lacy you know i love you so happy you are here for so many reasons too so we're going to get into this before we get going today i just have to give a shout out to pink box donuts they are our primary sponsor they kind of are everything i'm going to be honest with you i went to go get jenny a box before we came in today and even going into the store you just can't help but be happy it's clean it's bright it's fun the staff is just like one of a kind um and who who doesn't love a donut if you don't you kind of need to get your head checked and you're probably not a friend of mine, but if you're counting your macros and doing your stuff, it may not be the season for you, but when you get off of all that, Pink Box is gonna be there for you, um, ready to go. Once again, so good, you will lick the box. Pink Box Donuts in the house. Um, Jenny Slade, I'm gonna start with you today and just let you kind of introduce yourself. I'm gonna let everybody know if they wanna follow you after this as they should. She can be found at Jenny Slade, at Jenny Slade Photo, and her cause, which is Second Chance 5K, which we will be discussing for the majority of the time today. They have their own Instagram as well, Second Chance 5K. So follow these handles, give this lady some support, and let her introduce herself as to how she got here. Where did she grow up? How did this become you know, her passion. So Jenny, I'm gonna let you kind of take it away today, my dear friend. Thanks, Lacey. <laughs> well, I um Jenny Slade, born and raised here in Las Vegas. My parents actually were also born and raised here in Las Vegas. And even my grandparents have all been in Las Vegas since 1940s. I so, didn't know that. Yeah, we are hardcore native Nevadans. Whoa. So even my, um, well, some of my grandparents were born in uh, in Nevada. So like, as far as Nevada, we are very native. I'm telling you, I, I knew you, I, and I knew you were a native. I mm -hmm. had no idea your parents, and I had certainly no idea that your grandparents had been here so long. Yes. Yep. Dad went to Clark. Mom went to Las Vegas. Hi. What brought your grandparents out here? Um, opportunity. So my one grandpa opened Huntington Jewelers back in 1950. Oh my gosh. So yeah, and that's been around. We used to be in Maryland Square. What the, yes, that is Maryland Square, honey. <laughs> Sing it. That's how I know you're a native. If you know that song, you're a native. There's no way around uh -huh. it. Yeah. So you've so, been here your whole life. Keep yes. going. Um, and I have, I grew up on the southwest part of town over on Trop and Jones, um, which I didn't realize was close to the strip back then, but I guess that's pretty close. And I loved it over there. Um, lots of great friends. Had four sisters, grew up with four sisters. Um, and went to Durango High School over there. Loved that. Kenny Gwynn. Um, and then after I left my parents, I got married at 19, very young. Um, and then I continued to have five children of my own and I've started a gazillion, I mean, really a lot of companies since, um, since I've just kind of been on my own. Even when I was a kid, I actually started quite a few companies. I know you had Bryce on the show the other time, me and him started our own rock company where we sold rocks in our backyard. Okay, Bryce, if you're listening, we need to talk about this because I have a feeling you were not into the manual labor. I think Jenny was probably doing the manual labor. Tell they, me about the rock business. They were business. pretty rocks though, Lacey. Oh, okay. So okay. we would have pretty rocks, sent them out and sell the pretty rocks. We also did fake restaurant, of course. <laughs> of course you did. Bryce, we would play Barbies. We did all kinds of fun things together, but we did have businesses. I did have a dance studio in the garage, Obvious. which my older sister she was the one who taught. I did the books. I was the responsible one. Uh -huh. Of course, I was 10 or something, but I, I got the money. She put you to work. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. Anyway, so I did lots of businesses. And so then I went to college. I went to BYU and then ended up graduating at UNLV. Got a degree in Spanish, actually. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I had no idea. That's actually amazing. I wanted to be a Spanish high school teacher because okay. I thought, you know, what other, what more fun would it be to teach like elementary type stuff numbers and letters and how to say hello to high school kids please and we could eat all the food <laughs> right all and I honestly growing up I had no idea I could be something else other than a teacher okay because I only knew women that were teachers sure but um and then since then I hadn't used it and then I, I started a bunch of other different companies I did a furniture company once a baby blanket company that I sold once now when you say and that you had these no you mean mm -hmm. you you kind of just created them out of, out of you know your mind space yes. and then you they came to fruition yes 
yeah, um, financial backers or you just kind of made each one happen on your own? No, each one I would just do on my own. Yeah. Okay. So I just enjoyed learning about new things. I was, I've always been a computer tech guru since the Commodore 64. I mean, really? yeah, I always loved learning that stuff. Oh, so anywhere from rocks to furniture. Uh, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. And then eventually I started photography in, that was like 2008, I think 2005. Were you always into photography? Um, yeah, because my grandpa had a dark room and was a very good photographer and a jeweler, just a creative all the way around. It's amazing. And he would take me in there in the dark room and kind of show me how it worked. But um, photography is one I actually really stuck with since my brain doesn't seem to stick with anything. That's one I've been with for 13, 14 years doing weddings, portraits, seniors, you name it. And you did this all while you were married and while you were raising five kids. Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Now, are you just somebody who doesn't sleep a lot or, I mean, because people are listening to this going, wait a second, like I barely brushed my teeth today and here you are running companies and, and you know, raising kids. What, what were those years like? You know, when someone asks me, um, how, how do you do all that? Most of the time I just say, oh, I have a really messy house. So in my mind, keeping a clean house isn't a priority. And I feel like that's what's kind of suffered. I love um, that though. Sleep, I have to have it. So I don't ever get less than eight. Most people who know me know I'm in bed by 9.30, nine. Okay. Because <laughs> I like to get up at five to get my stuff done. Okay, so you put the kids to bed, you're in bed by 9.30 at the latest, mm -hmm. up by five. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then what now with all these businesses, what does a day in the life of you look like? Tell me what, you wake up at five, 5.30 and what are you doing? Oh goodness, I had someone tell me the other day, they're like, I just like to talk to you because every day with you is an adventure and I feel like that's what it is. Okay. But yes, I work. I wake up at five five thirty every day, and then first thing is getting a workout in. So, I don't feel okay without it. Okay. So it's six to seven days a week. Um, a long time ago, you know, cir circumstances happened, and I thought I just have to look better. So I was working out to look better, and that didn't do anything for me. The minute it changed, and I had a great therapist who told me, "Stop working out to look better. Start working out for your mind." And your mental health and then once I did it that way instead of going to the gym or people looking at me do I look good right it completely changed was that a hard transition for you through therapy because I feel yes. like if somebody told me that I would have a, I would struggle with that because I it feel was. like there is so much of this vanity aspect of of you know fitness in 2021 it was um and I remember she told me okay the next time you go to the gym do not put on your makeup Okay. Do not do your hair. You are not there to see, have people look at you and judge you for what you look like. You are there to get this done for your mental health, for your physical health. And I remember I did that for a little while. It was hard. I don't do that anymore. I still look okay when I go to the gym. Well, I'm like, I've seen you at the gym, honey, and you look good. I mean, you look way, I mean, I got a side ponytail and a lazy eye, you know, and you're there oh on that, gosh. on that Stairmaster and I, your outfits coordinate. I do have to let you know. I, I do really like coordinating outfits. I think Lululemon it's great. Lululemon is a slight obsession. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But I don't feel like that's my main, I know what my reason is for going and it's not for that anymore. So, so you get these workouts in early mm -hmm. and then what is get them it? In. The kids are at home. The ki what's going on with the kids? Well, now since lovely COVID, uh -huh. so for a while they've been home Okay. Um, and that's been quite a challenge. So it used to be get back home, get them off to school, get my stuff done. I've got six hours to get done and then back to kids and all their activities. Um, now it's a little different and you know, one of my sons wasn't doing his work. So I brought him in next to my computer so I could stay on him and listen to all the classes. That's been fun. Sure. Um, I have another one that's in a micro school. So he, um, you know, is able to go to that school. It's like just a little private school that some sure. moms got together and teach. Um, so yeah, it's uh, when they're not in school, I'm helping them and I'm just kind of multitasking it all. Oh and that's super fun. Hey mom, I need lunch. And then like yeah. two minutes later, and now it's my lunch. And then 30 minutes later, now it's my lunch. And do you feel like all you're doing is cleaning? Because I feel like every mom I talk to right now is basically like, it is literally cleaning yeah. nonstop. Mm -hmm. For sure. And I can try that whole pick up after yourself. Like I get that, right? Where's the chore list? I've probably made 40 chore lists in my life. Yet yeah. They don't work. Yeah. So instead I'm like, no, just go get it done right now. Okay. Or if I'm just too tired about that, then yes, our house is a mess. And you accept that? I totally accept that. I do have cleaners that come, sure. but they have to just work around the mess. So there's not actual filth. But there's no, 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 there's, no. there's chaos and there's, there's life, there's, there's life like, going yes. on in there. How old are yeah. your kids? What are their age ranges? So I've got uh, Taylor. She's 20 okay. in college. She's at, how BYU do you have a 20 year old? I like, what is even going on? So okay. Weird. I'm 20. I'm <laughs> right. I mean, like, what is, it's funny that this morning I was watching a documentary with notorious B.I.G. Uh-huh. You bet I was on that Netflix. And he was 23 when he, 25, when he passed away, he looked like a 40 year old man to me. So when I, yeah. I, I look at you, you look 20 to me, like you were just saying, I'm like, we still feel 20 right. and I'm thinking, wait a second. Second, how are people like living? You know, people that I thought were so much older than us so true. were now in those places. That's so when I watch like professional athletes, and I'm like, oh yeah, 
yeah, we're like the same age. Yeah. So this is fun getting to watch you, you know? Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, you're like a 20. Oh, you're like my kid. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. That doesn't feel real good anymore. Uh-huh. There it is. So, <laughs> so we yeah, have- I got 20 in college. I got an 18-year-old in college. Oh, my gosh. I know. And then I've got a uh, 15-year-old, almost 16 in high school, 12-year-old in middle school. He's sixth grade. And then I've got a seven-year-old, little second grader. Oh my gosh. So we've got age seven to 20. You've got I it all. I say we, I'm like me. I've yeah, got age you. seven to 20. Yeah. You. I'm, I'm going to let you have all that. You, you have that going yes. on. Yes. So I've so, got these great kids. And there's a lot of hormones in the house. There's a lot of things going on. Oh, you know, uh-huh. yep. there's yep. all kinds of things. You but bet. It, I feel like it's made me extremely calm and patient because things are always happening. And you I'm just like, have to oh. kind of let things fall. Mm-hmm. Especially with girls. I think that's what I realized. When my ex-husband would have a problem with one of my kids or the girls, you know, be like, she's crazy. I'm like, right. Mm -hmm. Uh So basically you just say, okay, we'll talk to you later. (laughs) You don't get involved with that. (laughs) Take a step back. We're going to step back on that one. Exactly. So we have these great kids. They're going to school. You get six hours roughly in the middle of the day for yourself, Mm -hmm. but a little bit different now with COVID. Right. And then what do the nights look like? Um, man, depends on, so I have the kids about 70% of the time and now the ex has them, um, about 30%. Okay. So, but when I have the kids, I am still, um, helping them with their things, making dinner. I still enjoy making dinner. Okay. Um, for the most part, it makes me feel like I'm just taking care of the people I love. Um, I also do plenty of Postmates. Love them. Thank goodness for Postmates. I know, Thank right? You so much. And, um, yeah, take my kids to their activities, do the stuff that they need to do and try to go to bed early. Okay, so we have all this in a day. You still Mm -hmm. have these side businesses. Mm -hmm. And then how did we get to where we are with like our little gem, which is Second Chance 5K? Yeah, so my friend, um, Holly Weaver, um, we were just kind of acquaintances and she called me one day and said, hey, I'd really like to talk with you. My sister just passed of a heroin overdose. And I know that you've had sisters that have died from drug, drug abuse, drug overdoses. And I said, yeah, I'd love to talk with you just so that we could be together, be a support for each other. Um, so we had, you know, our, our just our first conversation. And she, um, I think she honestly helped me more than I helped her. I think I spewed all kinds of other things onto her and she was such a great help. But we were able to support each other just kind of through losing a sister through overdose. Um, and then not long after, she said, I had this idea. What if um, we just get our friends and our family together and have just like a, a walk. And I was like, that sounds cool. She's like, yeah, we'll just do like a start and finish. I'll bring like a little thing of cookies or something or a donuts and we'll bring some water bottles and it'll just be families and friends. It'll start to finish and it will, um, she wanted to do it on the day that her sister passed, which was um, March 6th. So um, she's like, we'll just do it on that day and we'll have all the friends and family there. It'll be great. And so I brought it up to my sisters and my parents as well. And we had her over and we kind of just discussed it. Just a nice little walk. Where should we do it? And if you know, my family were slightly over the top. so In the best kind of way. Uh-huh. Sure. In like a way that everybody else is pretty much envious. Oh. We kind of wish we could all be that over the top. But uh-huh. well, I appreciate uh-huh. love that. it. Love it. Keep going. So um, we're, I was like, well, this is a great idea. But um, what if we invited some more people? We could invite some more people too. But I feel like we'd need a T-shirt. We'd have to have a matching T-shirt. That only, only makes sense. Mm-hmm. So then we went from there and I was like, oh, just boxes of donuts. We definitely have to have tables. I don't like, I wouldn't want them on the floor. And then um, it kind of kept spiraling a bit. So I thought, well, I could design a quick website um, of course for them you could. to register. Uh-huh. I enjoy doing websites. It's amazing. And then we were like, wait, so friends and family just register? Then we thought, well, wait, we could actually maybe make money. Mm-hmm. What if people donate when they come? Okay. And it just kept spiraling and spiraling until um, we ended up having our website, having registration, having shirts, having a start and finish, inviting schools. And the funny thing is we did this with me and my sisters, my mom and Holly, just us kind of over text, maybe a couple meetings. And I think we did it within a month and a half and ended up having just the most amazing first event with speakers. We had people don't, and we had a DJ. We love him. Jeremy Cornwell. Shout, Shout out. out. <laughs> He's Shout amazing. Out uh, he, he has always donated that DJ service for us for free and comes and, you know, we'll just sit there and, and just really enjoys it. And we've been able to really um, help so many people. And just the event that first time, it was such an emotional thing to where, to see everyone come together, to see everyone care about not just our sisters, but um, other people that were impacted that we didn't know were impacted. Um, And I think that first 
5k that we had it was it was basically our family and friends which was a lot because we're we're from vegas so there was a lot of people that wanted to support and we were so grateful and they they donated huge we actually we got a lot of sponsors that year put those on the back of the shirt as well just from companies that our family knew and since that time then that we've expanded quite a bit more Okay, we're going to definitely get into this. I'm going to backtrack a little yes, bit. Yes, definitely. Only because um, we kind of brushed over some yes. things here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, first of all, let's talk about the three people that we're addressing but not really talking about. Because I think as somebody who loves, you know, um, this line of work and somebody who's worked in it for most of, you know, my professional life and now is currently a public health analyst dealing with only overdoses, mm-hmm. this is, um, it's important for me to have names because these people lived, they were real, they had connections. These were your siblings. These were your beautiful sisters. Mm-hmm. What names are we talking about today? So my older sister is Amber. She's about a year and a half older than me. So we grew up together, yeah. super tight. It was the two of us. Um, Amber was the party. So... And when she passed, everyone would say, come to me, be like, Amber's who gave me my confidence. Amber would just tell me how wonderful I was. Like Amber was the most outgoing person I've probably still ever met. <laughs> really? <laughs> she was incredible. So even me and my younger sisters, when we're kind of feeling like, oh, I don't want to do it. I'm embarrassed. I'm awkward. We're like, pull out that inner Amber girl. Where's your inner Amber? Where's Amber, honey? Uh-huh. Amber's so, here. And I'll tell you a funny story. This could embarrass my parents, but it's funny. So she, <laughs> she had been in jail. Uh-huh. Um, oh, wait, was this one jail? Mm. Maybe. Okay. okay. Uh, actually, maybe it was in the hospital. Okay. It was you one know, of the two. Sometimes when you're on these things, you're in drugs in hospital a lot. All the, a lot. Uh-huh. A lot. So something had happened. She was, I know she was in a hospital gown. Okay. And, um, you know, you can't quite enable addicts. Yeah. So she was getting dropped back off at the budget. Yes. Budget sweet. And mm-hmm. she would call it the budget. The budget. She hilarious. <laughs> so she had a gown on, but no underwear. And like, it was kind of bloody, like the gown. And yeah. like, it was just kind of a mess. Her hair was matted to the back of her head. And not Amber, her finest hour. No, no. But Amber's confidence level has never, never wavered at all. This is so, good. so as she's walking through the budget, she was like, oh, hey, oh, hey, what's up? You want, call me later. Hey, <laughs> what's, and then she would turn to my sister and be like, I look good, right? They're uh-huh. all saying hi to me. Uh-huh. I'm a Schlatter girl. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, and like she cracks us up. <laughs> okay. And then one other story when she was, when Please. she was in jail, uh-huh. <laughs> she came out for a little, she, when she was out and she was clean and she was so fun. She was like, Jenny, I taught everybody in jail, the Clark High School fight song. She's teaching cheers. She did. Absolutely. Oh, goodness. She said, and they loved me so much. Could you imagine? So she made all these friends in jail. That she, and then she, you know, proceeded to show me the Clark High School uh, fight song that she did not forget. Okay. And then she went out to the tramp and showed us her toe touches, which somehow this girl who had been through all of these things still had the ability and the confidence to do this. Well, and the muscle memory, apparently. Mu- yes. If I tried to do a touch, mm-hmm. I'd pull a muscle. Mm-hmm. I'd be, <laughs> right. I'd be sitting on ice. Yes. But there she was. Right. And she reminded, like when Facebook, she didn't know Facebook was a thing after when she was in jail. And she was like, oh my gosh, take another picture of me because I look so good. <laughs> I'm, do you see how good I look? And I'm like, I just want that. Oh, Amber, give it like, to you us. you don't look good, girl, but okay. But sure. Anyway. But so you're feeling it. You're feeling yes, it. Yes. Yes. So we have a good idea about Amber. There you go party we need to be her we need to be more like we need a little more inner amber in you yes okay and then my younger sister leah just a couple years younger than me and she was um if you could think of anyone with the most gentle soul heart in the world that would be leah she was a hairdresser really incredible hairdresser as well um and she um could just see what anyone needed at any time and would give it to them she was an amazing mother, had two kids. Amber had a, a little guy, Kate, well, little guy. Caden's 20 now. She had Caden, oh. I know. <laughs> Is he 20? He's 20, I know. Okay. That's amazing. Okay. And Leah had two um, children as well. And Leah was an incredible mom, just really um, one of the kindest people you would ever meet. And um, from the time she was little, just so loving, able to take care of anyone. Well, that's I, more Leah. And I think I told you, Leah and I played volleyball together right. for Coach Zeidler. That's I don't know if right. anyone Coach Zeidler oh, in club. And she had the most beautiful hair and the most beautiful eyes. I she remember did. that. Those crazy blue eyes. Her eyes were, and I remember I was jealous of that mascara because mm-hmm. those eyes would just pop. Mm-hmm. Even like playing volleyball. Like once again, I had a lazy eye and a ponytail, <laughs> side ponytail. But like girls would show up and kind of had it together, you know? And so, yes. I, but I remember always feeling like, oh, she, you know, she had it. She had it together. She did in her long eyelashes and she <sighs> was kind of matured younger. So all the boys kind of looked at her because she was just so beautiful and Jeez. And she was cute and giggly and funny and just, you know, 
was everybody's friend. She was a sweetheart. Now, I'm going to say this because, it's, you know, losing one family member is brutal mm -hmm. to this disease. You right. know, un unreal. But you've mm -hmm. lost two. Right. And how has that affected you? Or when you lost one, mm -hmm. I'm sure it's like your world's falling apart. How right. far apart was that from, from Leah? Or, how, you know, how did, how did that right. order go? So Leah, um, she passed away and it was, it was such a shock. Um, I had never had anyone. I had had my grandmother, but it was more expected. Um, 2011, November 29th, um, I was actually planning a girl next door show. It was called at my house that day. it was like a craft show and I was a big part of it. And, um, and I got the call that she had passed and I said, no, that's no, that's actually not possible. Can you please, uh, can you, no, that, that's not, that wouldn't have happened. I don't, that doesn't make any sense. And it was, um, super shocking. Uh, my younger sister was with my, my kids at Costco and she came home and I proceeded to kind of tell her, but it was so surreal. Um, we went to my parents' house from there and it, um, I with my other sisters and obviously just cried and mourned. But, um, I remember my dad kind of saying, um, you know, and he's so strong and, and just like, okay, the sun will rise. We will, you know, we will see her again and just kind of pulled back. We have LDS roots and he would kind of, you know, pulled from that quite a bit and that, um, we, you know, we'll see her again. We know that we'll see her. And, and I'm like, yes, I know I will. Okay. Like this is, this is how it is. I didn't question anything. And, um, and it was hard. It was hard. It was emotional. Um, planning her funeral was hard. Um, but we, you know, the, fun, the crazy thing is kind of like second chance how we plan an event we were like okay this has to be the most beautiful thing you've ever seen and so we did that for Leah and um yeah I know things that I had never done before as far as like going to a morgue um seeing her in the casket I Katie Shelton came and did her makeup and you know I was just shout out to Katie she's amazing and it was um it was it was so hard but we still had her her cute kids you know that we could have and Telling her little ones was hard. Um, but then um, not long after that, her sweet little boy, Caleb, that she had had developed um, cancer on his leg. And I got to kind of be the mother figure for him there, but that cancer ended up taking his life. And I remember as he passed, we would just, um, he was in my arms and I we remember saying, just go to go to your mom. She's right there for you, Caleb. It's okay to go. And um, he was such a sweet soul. So with those two, I felt like, okay, they get to go be together. It's okay. I can handle this. And then soon after Caleb passed, I had my fifth baby. So, you know, things were just kind of moving along. Um, and then Amber passed at a time when some other, some more trauma was happening in my own personal life. But, um, and then all of a sudden Amber passed and I remember I, you know, I don't really cuss. I, sometimes I do now, but I swear I had not said a cuss word till I was like <laughs> 35. Uh -huh. Till this. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. And I was, and I looked up at the sky and I just screamed like, what? And I kind of blamed God. I was like, why did you just do this to me? What are you doing this to me? Like, what are you out to get me? Like, I was just really, really angry. And I remember we went to went to my parents again. It was just like, it was just happening all over again. And, um, the last time my dad had said the sun will rise, he was so strong. And this time he was just in a corner and just said, I, I don't know, have any words anymore. And I think we hit, um, a point of complete change at that point. Just kind of, even when Leah passed, we didn't think it could happen. Because we didn't necessarily know she was an addict even. She was a mom. Like, it just, we didn't understand what was happening. She had taken pills because she had a bad back. Like, this didn't quite make sense. Amber, of course, had partied a whole lot more. But she had been clean and had done, was doing really well. And, um, and I think she just took what she had used to take, take before she was clean. And then, and then it killed her. Um, but yeah, I think that, yes, it wasn't very much time between the two, but that second one, second sister, Amber, when she passed, it just rocked us to a new level of, you know, I know for myself personally, I guess I can't speak for all of my family, but okay, I'm going to have to second guess and question every single thing that's ever happened in my whole life and who I am as a person. Um, we got a lot of emotions in the studio today. Um, Leah passed on the 29th of November, 2011. And then when did yeah. Kayla pass? 
And then Kayla passed what on year? February 15th okay. of um, 2013. And then Leah passed. And then Amber, yeah, Am- Amber passed in September of 2013 as well. That same year. 3rd. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, that's a lot of trauma. It is. It's a lot of trauma. It's, it's probably one of, one of, I mean, especially I've been around trauma with, with you know, people and families and survivors because they're the ones that struggle the most. But right. I don't think I've actually heard of that much trauma, I, you know, because I didn't forget about Caleb, but I didn't realize everything was that close to each other. I know. It's, I think once, when I've realized people are like, how did you do that? And then when you throw in, and I think I might have ran into the gym when it happened, but it was like in July... Oh, it doesn't matter. I just like yeah. I had found out my husband was having an affair and it was like throwing in so many things. And it's like, OK, at this point, wh- what what is going on in the world? Right. How do we manage this? You know, this sort of trauma as it's happening. But um, besides your yeah. dad um, and you talked about yourself, was mm-hmm. anger a common thread for that's, you know, for, for Amber's passing more or less? Do you feel like your family members became more angry with the more trauma that was happening or was it still kind of half and half? People were still experiencing a lot of sadness, obviously. Um, you know, I don't, I honestly can say that I don't know that I saw anger. Okay. And I don't know that that was, that was ever really an emotion that I noticed in my house in general, even when my dad would open up Amber's trunk and there'd be like paraphernalia, you know, what the bong, I don't know drug stuff very well, sure. but, um, uh, like I remember him, he didn't, didn't raise his voice or anything. It was like, this isn't appropriate. You know, we're going to have to have consequences for these things. But yeah, there's just, as far as I'm sure there was some more internal anger and maybe it would have been healthier if we could let some of that out more. But, um, for the most part, n- no. Yeah. But I could think, I mean, I, I think I had a lot, but I also had some other anger issues going on at that time. Huge anger and issues. And not any of them were really let out that I would could keep that in. But, um, but yeah, there was a lot of things where I was like, what, how is this happening? Now, for somebody who had been through so much trauma, how mm-hmm. did you end up releasing that? Because I'm sitting today across from a woman who is, you know, who is healthy. I can say that because I feel like I've seen you in some different chapters of your life, you know, and I feel like you, you know, you talk about things, you're able to discuss, you're able to talk about your emotions, you know, you're able to articulate. That's part of, you know, being able to heal in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. What did you even do or where did you even begin in this process after, after basically being to hell and back? Mm -hmm. And I, well, and I think what you're just saying right now is that um, up until that point, I kind of carried this banner of, I need to be perfect. Maybe because my older sister wasn't, but there was this, um, thing that I and I don't know you know I put it on myself or whether it was you know my own cultural you know things as I was as I was raised expectations I put on myself that that being anything other than perfect was not an option and then I think once um this happened and I I also thought the better I am as a person the less bad things happen right um just just being raised in the religion I was it was kind of like you get blessings if you're good type thing which um sure there's karma and there's that but I didn't realize that bad things could still happen right and so then when all of these things happened at first I was like oh my gosh it's because I'm not good enough I'm I'm such a I must I must have more to learn and I when Amber passed I was like nope mm -mm, I am dropping that whole idea that's in my head that I have something more to learn from this and that's why it happened so I switched from I have something to learn this is being done to me all these things are happening to me to um this isn't happening to me it's actually just life because people have decisions and choices and the things that happen in life I just get to choose how I react to it it's not no one's punishing me which I kept thinking maybe I was being punished or um something someone was coming after me like I just had all this fear of like it's because I'm not good and I was like oh no that's not it and I completely switched my mentality from from that obviously I don't think it just came on my own I started reading a lot, podcast a lot, and then I found an amazing therapist um, right at that time. And luckily I was already seeing a therapist when Amber had passed and I had never seen one before. And that, that therapist had started in July and and I stuck with her. And I mean, I had, I probably went twice a week for <laughs> a few years sure, just to really put things into perspective of, you know, and I could let that out to her. But I, I think really if it were to come down to it, it's, it's being able to talk about it being a little more open, a little more vulnerable. Same as with the second chance. Um, You know, when we talk about bringing people out of the shadows, not, um, you know, our platform's all about removing the stigma 
of, you know, being an addict, taking away the shame. And I think that was it for some of the things that had happened to me because my husband had an affair, didn't say anything about me when I was so ashamed about it. And so the more I talked about it and the more everyone else, I feel like talks about things that are hard and traumatic events, then, then it just helps the people that it's happened to. And I think that's what happened with me that I, I do feel healthy. And I think it's because of because of talking about it more. Absolutely. Huge, huge aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get back into Second Chance, because I mm-hmm. want to talk about that first year you started. Yeah. Um, what's Holly's sister's name? Christy. Christy. Mm-hmm. Okay, I just want to make sure. And like she said, had passed, both of my sisters had passed from opiate overdose, overdoses, uh-huh. and um, Christy passed from a heroin overdose. And from what Holly explains to me about Christy, like she sounds like she would just be one of my best friends. She was an incredible aunt. Incredible human, um, fun, loving, and just active. And um, yeah, I wish I could have met her. I'd love to talk about um, our, the people we love that have mm-hmm. struggled with this because these are yeah. great people. You know, these are human beings. They've exactly. like, like I said, I, I refuse to just say, oh, mm-hmm. you and I have had this talk before. My right. very bestest friend, her brother passed away um, from an overdose. And mm-hmm. it's funny because when you encounter people and they go, oh, well, how did your sibling pass? And you say, oh, they overdosed. Um, at least what she and I have discussed is that there's this element of like, oh, Oh, you know, like it's, it's a different kind of a death for some people to process. Society is still creates the stigma attached to like, Oh, well they did it to themselves or, um, it, it somehow means in some way that their life maybe meant less because that was the way, you know, that they, that the struggle that they were in, like, Oh, they didn't die in a car accident or they didn't die from cancer or they, Oh, they died from something that they chose. So it's, it's, that's one of the things, the stigmas that makes me sick to my stomach because it's, it's real. So to hear about these great girls and to hear about, um, you know, their personal personalities and, and how they were just us. They were basically no different than you or I. Right. I know in 2011 when Leah passed, it just, the opiate epidemic wasn't necessarily talked about. And so I know right when she passed, it was a discussion in our house to, to say how she died and what were we going to say. Right. And do we say she had a brain aneurysm? Do we say, you know, and I think it was actually my younger sister that said, no, no, that's not how she died though. But it still wasn't discussed. We didn't really tell anyone it wasn't something that we could really, we felt okay to talk about just because when we did, we didn't like the way it was responded. And not that that was on us. It was those people for not being educated enough. It's true. Um, but it was hard. I remember I told someone and I said, oh, you have sisters. You would understand how hard this is. And she said, well, I do, but I don't have sisters that would ever do drugs. So. Oh, okay. And I was Good like, for oh, you. <laughs> but, but death is death and death is hard in any way. But I know in Amber Past, we were, we were so much different. We had a small little thing and we told the stories I told you about her and it was so much more healing to be like, oh no, this is what it is. And we loved her. And yeah, this was her real life, you know? This is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. Yeah, I, and I, I just, I find that more people are having these conversations because yes. if you yourself do not have an addictive personality, somebody you know does, mm-hmm. somebody you love does. And mm-hmm. if nobody you love has one and you don't have one, somebody's lying to somebody because right. the numbers are just there right. that this is, you know, the reality for almost all of us in some capacity. Right. Um, and my other favorite thing is people go, oh, well, wait a second, you know, so-and-so overdosed from that, but, and it's, it's maybe frowned upon, but if somebody died from anorexia, or died from, you know, bulimia, or, you know, it, once again, it's just, it, it's seen as a different kind of death, but these are all addictions that need to be discussed. Right. Um, in my line of work, we deal with every day, like obviously from the 1980s, we dealt with the war on drugs and that was not successful because if it was, we still wouldn't be fighting opioids today. It was a huge push, but mm-hmm. it wasn't a success. Mm-hmm. And here we are today in 2021 and we have states like Oregon that are making things completely legal. You know, you can right. use those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I sit on, I, I travel sometimes with a group called Track B here in town and we give out needles. Um, and I know that some police officers have a hard time with that because it's like, well, wait a second. Um, you know, these people need to be incarcerated. There's this mm-hmm. big divide between incarceration versus, you know, um, prevention. Right. But the more we all work together as a community, the more we talk about things, the more we bring things to light. Um, I just feel like, like you said a minute ago, wait a second, this is really who my siblings were. They were amazing and their death is mm-hmm. is part of them. And it makes them just as amazing as their life was. I agree. Mm. I agree. So now that we've talked about some of these things, let's go back to that first event because I was able to be there with you guys. Yes. How many people roughly? Do you remember numbers? Right. I think if I remember right, and I had it written down, it's like 600 is what we had there that first time. It was unreal. It, it was, was unreal. So great. And I can remember the feeling. It was such great weather. I remember you were, because you were in the front row and we, just in our warm up. It was amazing. It just was a really great people, a, a feeling of people coming together. And I think what I loved the most is it was in Summerlin. You know, it's in this nice area. Um, it's a lot of people that have never been impacted by drugs in any way, a lot of them, but they were still out there to support, um, 
these three girls, because we had a banner up then that had those three girls up there and that didn't um, say, oh, well, we can't, we can't support them because this is how they died. Instead, it was a, a huge support for our families and for them. And I feel like it was just a start of bringing communities that maybe, I, I think they're all affected, but they don't really talk about being affected. Sure. Um, that could bring them together to maybe it brought other uh, moms. They were able to talk to my mom and be like, actually, my son died the same way. Whereas before they weren't really able to voice it. And um, we, you know, because we had realized that it that just doesn't discriminate. Just because you live in some fancy area and some fancy home and you're not around drug dealers all the time, that, that's not what the epidemic is. It attacks everyone. I'm smiling as we're talking about this because I run into people all the time that go, oh, that's what you do? That's funny because I live in Summerlin. We don't have those issues. And I think oh. to myself, do you really want me to pull up your map? Because I could show you Summerlin and then actually show you which streets that you think you drive by every day that have had overdoses within right. the past five years. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, and, and I'm not talking adults, I'm talking kids. Um, oh, my kid goes to Palo Verde, so my kid's safe. And I think, once again, absolutely. do not. you want to see the numbers of your safe community where you think that this doesn't lie? Um, or how many times I, I get a, even a young person who's passed away or who's overdosed that it was their first time ever trying, mm -hmm. you know, a drug in their life. And mm -hmm. if parents are not willing to talk about this with their kids or act like it's the neighbor's problem, not theirs, mm -hmm. what a disservice we're doing, dealing with the youth and with each other. Absolutely. It has to be communicated more. They have to know that anyone, no matter your background, can get drugs, right? Can become addicted. The, and maybe the reason behind why some people are turning to them. Maybe we start discussing more of like, okay, what are the reasons? Uh, evidently, a lot of the times it's because people don't know how to talk about the feelings they have. So let's go and try to hide them with what I know this did for me one time. Or, you know, because, you know, in our, our um, in Second Chance 5K, we talk a lot about that the answer to addiction is not like, yes, there's recovery. Yes, there's things that we can do, but really it's just connection. So like the answer is just connecting with one another and being able to see what other people need and talk to other people and, and know that it's okay for them to voice the things that are going wrong in their lives. And it's huge. Yeah. It's a huge part of it. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about your trials that first year. For people that are listening that go, well, wait a second, um, maybe you know, they're in a different genre of, of suffering or pain, but they want to put it into something. What are, right off the bat, did you notice like, gosh, this is going to be hard for us? Or maybe that first year to that second year, did you think, maybe that first year we kind of bombed in this area? What, mm -hmm. what are areas that you think or trials that you encountered that we could discuss? Um, that first year, well, the, the, we, we earned a lot of money. And we weren't sure how to spend the money. I think that was one of our hard things. Luckily, we had enough connections to where we could do it. As we worked under another nonprofit agency, Lighthouse Charities, that helped, that let us work under them. Now we're actually our own 501c3, which is pretty great because it's it amazing. took us a long time to get this status. But um, I think that was hard, um, not knowing the best way to to use the money. And as far as like myself and sisters and my mom, like we worked really hard. We spend a lot of hours, but we, you know, we've never taken any money for ourselves, but we wanted to make sure that it, we didn't just give it to someone and they just used it for administration or we just wanted to make sure it was used in, a, in the good, in the best way that we wanted it used. And, um, and I think, you know, that, that first year we gave a scholarship to a woman named Denise. She was at West Care. Um, and she was, she was so wonderful and so grateful because um, she wasn't going to be able to go there without that money. And she went. Um, and we're still, we're happy we did that. But then we realized, wow, you know what? That was a lot of pressure to put on sweet Denise. Sure. <laughs> we know how hard it is to recover. Yep. And um, so the next year we used our money to renovate an entire wing in West Care. And um, it, was an, it was unused, completely unusable. Um, and we renovated it to where it could be used. And now there's, how many women are in there? There's a lot of women in there, probably 20 with their children that have been able to use it year after year. And we're just like, wow, look at all these people we've been able to help. And they graduate from there. And when we go and visit them, they're like, oh yeah, I'm in the second chance wing. And um, we have the girls' pictures up there. We have sayings, we have pictures from the races. And um, that's been super rewarding. For those of you who are not familiar with West Care 2, um, only because I was a therapist there for a while, um, everything that Jenny's saying right now is absolutely accurate. And so when I say that is a lot of times people would be in recovery there. They'd be in a residential setting, which is what Jenny's explaining. So, um, you know, these, these 
people that are trying to get clean, um, either they've been incarcerated or they've decided to sign up or, you know, whatever their situation is, family members, they've decided to get help. That's the biggest part. They're ready to get help. And so um, Westcare's always had a problem with having not enough beds. It's been a huge issue. So what she's explaining in terms of, you know, re- being able to redo this entire wing, it's something that Westcare is so proud of. And it's a part of their conversations when they're trying, you know, to help and get more grant money and all these things. Look at what we've been able to do with this second chance wing. And um, like she said, it's literally life after life that's able able to be helped. Um, and then, like I said, from the position that I was able to help in, in terms of therapy, in terms of being a therapist there and an addiction specialist, people would leave residential and then come to my program. And that was where they were able to live on their own. They had their own housing setups, but they were still coming in to get some help. And so many of these women would come in and say the relationships I created while I was in residential, um, you know, not only that, but the support systems, the coping mechanisms, the, the tools, um, all of these parts, you know, all these different aspects and elements of their recovery carried with them to present day for them to be able to go out and be successful. So I, I could just squeeze Jenny right now because these 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 dollars have really helped change people's lives dollar for dollar. It's huge. I'm so proud of you, Jenny. Thank you. We've we've really been happy with the way we've been able to use our friends, family, sponsors, money. We've every dime we have made sure has been used in the best way possible. Let's talk let's fast forward a little bit. You guys are now in year four. Yes. Okay. So what now? Let's, we got to address the be, the beast. Actually, in the, well, yeah. 2020 would have been four ish. Okay. But yes, 2017 so, was our first race. Okay. Okay. Yes. So, okay. Let's talk about the be, the elephant in everybody's life right now, which is COVID. Right. How did COVID change 2020's race then? Um, you know, 2020's race was so ready <laughs> to go. We were so upset because it was going to be much bigger than ever. We had. Um, um, everything we had, had uh, permits done through the police department, so we were going to be able to block off the streets and run on the streets. I mean, it was really legit. So we were so excited about that, um, and we were having more numbers than ever, more sponsorships than ever. Um, it was really getting out there, and we so we were so excited about that. So when it stopped, that was hard um, because it was it was going to be really big. And I think I can't remember. I think we just canceled. Maybe it was two weeks before the race was going to be. We just, we didn't want to, but it obviously had to happen. Um, but you know, what was amazing is that all the people that registered, we said, listen, you can have an absolute full refund. All you have to do is just click here, just get your refund. And I might've had out of a thousand registrants two, two that took the money. Oh, money that like makes me want to cry. It's, it's amazing. So we actually got to keep all of that to still donate and they didn't get a shirt. They didn't get all those other things. And it, it didn't matter. They left the money there. And even with the COVID and all those things happening, we knew that it could be a burden. So we didn't want to keep any money from anyone who needed it. And yeah, maybe two people asked for refunds. So I have to give you kudos where it's due. And it's like when that first one came out, you just divulged us like, wait a second. We wanted it to be like the shirts and the booths. Mm-hmm. And there was like all this, like, you know, to get the people to show up. Yeah. Then by the time you're in year four, you have enough support standing on its own mm-hmm. yes. that it's like they didn't even need any of that. And they were still willing to give their money. I mean, yes. what does that say? I mean, wh- how amazing is that, Jenny? Oh, so it's so incredible. And I think um, it just made me feel like, okay, they trust us. They trust that we're doing something good. And maybe we've done enough to get the word out, which was the whole point. We just wanted to take that stigma away and to be like, okay, can we start a conversation? The amount of young kids that come to the race, their parents have to say why they're there. And this is why, because people do these things. It's not something that, oh, we don't talk about drugs in this house. Right. No, we do, because people do do them. And you might be asked, and here's here's this, and here's this, and let's discuss it. And so any conversation I feel like that we can have about addiction, about substance abuse, mental issues, all of those things, because they they all start to go hand in hand together. They just all mold together is just only going to help the future generations. It's huge. Um, This year we have another, you know, it's, it's been almost a full year. What is this year's race 2021 look like? Are you still, are are people registering and they're not showing up? I mean, how, how has the transition been or what is it going to look like? Yeah. So man, we had, we had quite a few debates over this on what we were going to do. Sure. More than anything, we wanted an in-person race, but as we um, looked more, we realized um, there just wasn't any in-person races happening, especially as far as, you know, who we're doing it for. We just wanted to make sure everyone felt safe, that we were doing what everyone felt comfortable with. And so we decided to do a virtual race this year. And so you can go online and register for the race and it's hundred percent free. Um, and then we will just be sending you information and we'll have like a live event that day. And so we have some yoga that will be taught in the morning that you can log on to. We'll have speakers, um, we have Courtney Ol- Olson's going to speak. She's super fun. Dave Marlin. There's a couple others. Dave's we'll see great. if we can get them. And then um, 
and after that, then you can start the 5K. Um, we also have a new merchandise store, and we're hoping maybe if people want to have some of our second chance gear, 100% of profits go just to our nonprofit. And then there's also donations that are able to be made, and everything will still go to help those that are impacted by substance misuse. Now, I have to take it down a notch once again because mm -hmm. I didn't really know what a lot of this was, and people yeah. listening may go, what the hell is a, what in the heck is a virtual right. race? Right. What is a virtual race, Jenny? Well, ideally, right, we don't want a virtual race. No, we do not. It kind of sounds, I know in the COVID world, we're like, lame, virtual right. race? I don't want to do anything more virtual. Right. But what it is, is that if you're logged on to our live streaming, which you don't have to be, that's fine. If you want to see some of these, I know for our, the rehab centers, which now we work with all of the rehab centers. So they're on board. They're going to have everyone that's in their recovery centers watching and being a part of this. So this is for them because we, they're the ones we care about the most. Um, then we also want anyone else who's been impacted to be able to do what we've been doing. And so we'll j basically give you a bunch of ideas of where you could go walk your own 5k with your family members, friends, as many people as you want to gather. And then you go and do that 5k by yourself. And then we'll have a section where you can tag us and we can post things and then we'll just, we can share it together. Even though we're not fully together, we can still connect with it online. And that's our hope for this year until we can get everyone back together. Cause yes, that's ideal. That feeling of all of these friends, family, but most importantly, the people that are in the recovery centers coming through that finish line sure. at our races is is why we do it, so that they have that sense of accomplishment. Now, um, once again, if you didn't say it already, I want you mm -hmm. to definitely say it again. Where can people yes. sign up for this 2021 virtual race? So it's secondchance5k.org. Okay. And just by signing up, it's free. You, it'll just end up, It's just so that you can get an email of more information. And then on there is our merchandise store if you want to purchase any shirts or... You know, if you feel like this is a good cause and something that resonates with you, then you can donate. Um, and then hopefully we'll be able to get back to our real race the next time. Now, people that listen to me know that I'm very pushy and bossy. So Jenny's being sweet saying, hey, listen, <laughs> I'd love you to register. And then listen, we kind of have this merchandise store and you can maybe buy something. I'm going to tell you go register and buy something. Okay, we need to keep these dollars coming. We need to keep um, Second Chance going. She did not say it because she's too polite right. for that. I'm not. We do have really cute tanks and crop tops on there too. Get the crop hats. tops. Do I, and, and guess what? If you wear it around this community, chances are somebody's going to stop you and say, hey, I know Second Chance. Hey, yes. wait a second. My family member participates in Second Chance. Yes. Um, it's become huge. And even I've got a little girlfriend, Megan, who you know, Megan Palos. Shout yes. out to Megan. Yes. Megan sent me a text last year. I remember she said, are you signing up for Second Chance this year? And I mean, it's it, people that, and we didn't even know we had that in common but people are talking about this without you realizing it Jenny and without your you know your co-founders you and Holly and you know yeah. your sisters it's mm -hmm. just this has become a thing in this valley um, and even if you don't live here you're somewhere else but you definitely want to see and give back um, we would love your support too in terms of yes. secondchance5k.org mm -hmm. yeah I do have to ask you where do you see yourself in five years what's a dream for for second chance 5k um, so as we will like sit and talk about it, we're kind of funny because we actually, all of us really enjoy making sure everything's perfect mm -hmm. in every way. So we've had a really hard time letting any parts of it go, but also requires a lot of time. So we hope eventually to really expand it, to be in more of a big public area where it's downtown, downtown Summerlin, where we can, where people will allow us to be there to gather, to have a really massive event and then to expand it across other cities, states, I think it's because we have such a passion for this because as we've been doing this, we have met with every other nonprofit that there is in Las Vegas that helps with this and they're all so wonderful. But we are the only ones that actually have an event that um, people in recovery, people struggling with addiction are invited to. And so I th for us, the event is what we care so much about is because it gives you that thing to be like, okay, I've been sober for a year and I'm going to make it back to that second chance race. Okay, I've made it back. And we get emails from people saying, okay, guess what, guys? I'm going to be there. It's been, you know, my third year in a row. I've been sober the whole time and this is my checkpoint. I come back every year and this is when I check in. So for us, we have not seen anywhere else that has some sort of an event as, as their goal to invite people to and to, you know, our event also is a fundraiser because we raise a lot of money to help them and to help other nonprofits do what they do. But our event also just brings so much joy and connection, not only for those struggling with addiction, there's a lot that are struggling with mental illness. It's just really a place of, of giving people connection, bringing all of that shame out of the shadows and having people talk about it just a little bit more. 
since I did the race the first year, um, we lost my dad's brother, um, my biological dad's brother. He overdosed. Um, he had uh, an addiction with methamphetamine. So sorry. And so he died, um, like I said, it, it recently, um, mm -hmm. since, like I said, the first year. And so I, I was actually looking forward to walking it in his name. Yes. You know, and, yes. and I think that there's, like I said, when you're on that walk, there brings this very surreal existential experience too for you to be able to feel that person and to connect with them and have that love with them. So yes. like Thank Jenny said a minute ago, if you personally are not in recovery or somebody you know isn't in recovery, then come with us while we walk for the people we love mm -hmm. and um, just allow it to be an experience that you can love and give back to people around you and in your community that are suffering and struggling. Yes. Um, for the past few years, we've had a sticker that everyone wears on their shirt and it just says, I am running for dot 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 and you fill it out when you get there and some people are running for a person but some people are just running for their community for their they'll just write for friends for new friends for people that I don't know that need my help and you know or there's names so it's it's kind of nice because as you do it you have your own personal reasons everyone will I love it I just I'm a huge fan of this that's why I wanted to have it on um, second chance on especially Jenny um We've talked a lot today. We basically rounded up. We heard Jenny's story. We heard about how she got here. We talked about loved ones, so many loved ones. We were able to talk about Amber and Leah. And, um, you know, we were able to talk about the loss that she was able to feel and how she also did things the right way and went and got some help to kind of help her process, um, which anybody, if you are struggling with the loss of a loved one, please reach out, get some help. Um, to help you understand this journey a little bit. We love Christy along the way too. We got to make sure we give her a shout out and we got to look at Second Chance. And I'm grateful that we were able to learn from you firsthand, Jenny, the how, the why, the who of what this organization is and how it really is changing lives. That's huge. Um, I'm so excited for you and your success moving forward. Is there anything else anybody needs to do to prepare for the 2021 walk? What's the date again? The date is, wow. Uh -huh. You bet, you bet. <laughs> March 27th, right? Uh -huh. We're going to we're gonna, uh -huh. we're gonna look and we're going to confirm, but I want you guys to get on there. That's your takeaway for today. Yes, March 27th. March 27th is yes, when it is, which please. means when you hear this podcast, hang up and immediately get on secondchance5k.org. Sign up and support this group yes. and these ladies and walk. And just get on our email list and we'll just keep you updated and... Um, tell you of our other events. Sometimes we do things for other shelters as well throughout the year, whether it's for Christmas or anything. So we're always coming up with other things to do. Jenny, I can't thank you enough for being here today. Thank you, Lacey. I just love you. You're the best. I love you too. And thank you for your time. Thank you for your stories more than anything. Thank you for letting us into your life. And thank yes. you for allowing us to, you know, really love uh, Leah and Amber for the last hour. Yes, um, we appreciate you. Shout out to Pink Box once again. They're so good. You'll lick the box and we are leaving for today. Have a great day.